Welcome to Momentum Church. We've been doing something experiential each week to kind of remind us of the teaching of the week. So we started off with I am the bread of life, and that week we fasted, all right? We fasted some portion of food. The next week, I am the light of the world, and we went digitally dark. This week we did something, and I just, I'm going to be honest, this was an experiment, amen? And I failed miserably. How many failed miserably? So, okay, so all of us raising our hands, the rest of you straight, okay? But, so you may, the guests might be like, what in the world did you do, you know? Well, here's what we did. So we taught last week about the covenant that we have with Jesus or through Jesus and how through that we're connected to all. We have access to all that God has because Jesus said, I am the the door. So he's the door. So he gives us access and doors provide protection and access into the next thing. All right. Uh, Baptism's that. I'll just say that real quick. Okay. This is a parenthetical insert. Baptism is an act of obedience. If you've never been baptized and you're wondering why in your life, you know you believe in Jesus, but you wonder what is it that's just holding you back? I'm going to tell you it's an act of obedience. And guess what? The things into the next room that God has for your life swing on the hinges of obedience. It's a door that swings on the hinges of obedience. And as you open that door, walking into the next thing God has for you, it just might be that door is that of baptism swinging on the hinges of obedience. Amen? So that's a parenthetical insert. So I just would love for you to be baptized next week if you haven't been. But here's the thing. So we were looking at the old teaching of the Jewish people dealing with a a subject called the mezuzah, which is a little thing that you attach to a door to remind you of covenant. And I told our church folks, our family, we said, we're going to touch doors this week. And this is going to be so much easier than fasting, so much easier than not doing Facebook. We're just going to touch the right side of a door as we go into every room. And we just are going to think about the goodness of God. That's all. How easy. And I fail. I bet you if, if I did it six, eight times a day, I'm just, I mean, maybe. And I'm a pastor. I'm in a church. These are church doors that I should, that I should be able to remind myself of access to God. And, and, and I got to thinking about it. You know, what, what was it? You know, is it a failed experiment? Well, Pastor Ross, that was just stupid. No, I don't think it was. I think it revealed something to my heart that I didn't even know. I can do big spiritual stuff good. All right, that big thing. Like, I'm gonna get to church on Sundays. I don't forget Sundays. I know it's Sun. I, you, it's partly I'm up here, so it's, if I forget Sundays, it would be really bad, right? I, I know Sundays. I don't forget big spiritual stuff in my life. You know, when we were, it's big, food. So it was big. It was on my mind. You know, I, I like digital stuff. That's big. It's it was on my mind. But what I got to thinking about, what a good experiment, what a good revelation to our hearts. Because remember in that Shema, in that scripture we studied last week, that Deuteronomy chapter 6, we saw that in your going and in your coming, just your everyday life, in your rising and in your sitting down, that we're supposed to be reminding ourselves of the things of God. And it just showed me that, man, in my everyday life, at times, it's a struggle to reflect and recall upon Jesus. Am I alone in that? And next thing you know, it's 11.30 in the morning, and I'm going, don't. I didn't touch the door. I didn't even think about Jesus yet. And I'm a pastor. Isn't that weird? And so it just really revealed something to me. And so I'm glad we did that exercise. I'm never going to do that again. (laughs) 
No. And you know what? I'll be honest. Through this whole series, I never had a single problem with reading my scripture every day that goes along with the series. Not a single problem during the fasting week. Not a single problem during the digitally dark week. But it was it, that everyday coming and going wasn't enough to keep that on my mind. I need to go to that passage and read that one chapter every day, you know. And again, I'm not scolding all of us. I'm right there with you. I realized this week, man, I, I have to work to hear, if you will. I have to work to set my attention upon the voice of the Lord. I have to work to hear the voice of my, everybody say, shepherd. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what the Lord really began to show me. And, and this is the week that we begin to look at that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And so before we can go into that, I've been trying to, have you noticed in this teaching series, I've been trying to really give you a lot of context. Context, both Old Testament, because Jesus came as this rabbi that began to teach people this, 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 this truth. I mean, he was Messiah, but to them, he was just another rabbi, just another teacher. And so I want to be able to tie some of the Old Testament stuff in because that's the context that they were walking in when they were hearing these declarations. We can't listen to these declarations without understanding the context that they were in. And these were Jewish people that had come through a, a, the Jewish um, religious system. And much of that, obviously, is God-ordained. And God used it to show us our lack and that we need grace. We need the covering of Jesus because we can't live up to the law. But then the, the people, the, 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 the Pharisees and Sadducees and all the different teachers of, of old began to have all these different things. They added to it and added to it and added to it. And it had become a burdensome thing. And so with that burden that's upon them, there's a story that takes place right before Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So we can't jump into I am the good shepherd without understanding the context. So in John chapter 9, we see the context. And the context is a blind man. And I'm not going to have you turn to the scriptures there. We're going to go to John 10 here in a little bit. Scriptures are the context of a blind man. And this blind man has been blind since birth. And Jesus passes by him. And one of his disciples speaks to Jesus and says, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We, and, then, and then he goes on, he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Isn't that awesome? He's going back to something he already taught. Listen, this, eyes, this man's eyes are dim. That's all right, because I am the light of the world. I'm going to bring that light back into this man's vision, back into this man's eyes. And having done this, and you know how this says, he, he goes and he takes that mud, that dirt, he spits into it, makes a little bit of a mud cake, and he puts that mud into the man's eyes. He anoints him with that, man, that, that mud, and he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seen. So this amazing miracle is taking place. If you were blind and now you see, what would life be like? Wouldn't that mean? Wouldn't that just be everything? I mean, that would just you would you. I'm deaf in this ear, man. If this thing popped open one day, I, I mean, this device works great. But I'm telling you, if this pops open during a church service, whoo, I'm gonna run. I mean, it's, I mean, like, whoa! And that's what this guy. This guy's just thrilled about what's happening. He's declaring what's happened. He's excited, and the people start to come against him. The Pharisees. And this is where we've heard all the, you know, we've heard the words of the song so many times that it's been lost on us how powerful the sentiments of that song is. And it's the song Amazing Grace. And this is where that song comes from. Because they come against him, the Pharisees do. And when they come against him, because they can't believe this man has healed this man on the day of Sabbath. 
How dare Jesus? Don't you know our laws? Don't you know you can't do anything on? The guy got his sight back. That's a good day at church. Right? But just because it was outside of their norm, they're freaking out about it, you know? And so they're all upset. And they're, they're coming against him. And all of a sudden, he just says, look, all I know is this, that I once was lost. Now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. He said, I was just, I was blind, but now I see. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument, ever. And these Pharisees had arguments. They were frustrated. They were upset. And so this is what's happening in this story when Jesus comes along. You're having a culture that is losing their way. I've already told you it's a people that are like sheep without a shepherd. Remember, we talked that a couple weeks ago. They're like sheep without a shepherd. They've lost their way. They're like the blind being led by the blind. This is something Jesus said. I think that's so neat because you have a blind... That now the blind people, if you will, the religiously blind, wish he was still blind. Why? Because, man, let's just keep you going in darkness and following us. No, Jesus wants to set you free so that you can follow him. Sight. But these guys are satisfied being those that lead the blind and remaining spiritually blind. So we see that this goes all the way back, really, I mean, through the centuries. It's got them to this point. And there's a prophetic kind of word that we can see. I want you to open your Bibles and stand to your feet. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to begin to see a prophetic word regarding Jesus to these people. And now I taught you last week that we're brought into this environment too as, as Christians. That access also through Jesus brings us into all these promises. But what we see in Isaiah 40, verse 9 through 11, is a prophetic word. It says, go on up to a high mountain, O Zion. Zion is like Jerusalem, or it speaks of spiritual Israel. O herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. What is the gospel called? The gospel, the word gospel, that news. The gospel is the death, the burial, the, the, the resurrection of Jesus and his soon coming. That, that's the gospel message that I will remain blind, religious blind spiritually, blind emotionally, without the light of Jesus coming into my life, without him coming and paying the price. That's the good news. And so here it's giving us a foreshadowing of the good news. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not, says say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Do you remember what, do you remember what, what, what John the Baptist said when Jesus came? His, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. This is all tying this together. Behold the Lamb. Everybody say, behold the Lamb of God. Yeah, yeah. So behold your God. Like this is, the, Jesus is it. He's come to us. Behold, the Lord comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Verse 11, this is what's so beautiful. To a people that are blind, wandering, missing the best that God has, allowing religion to choke things out in their life. Verse 11, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. Amen. He'll tend his flock like a shepherd. I love this. He will gather the lambs in his arms. Jesus, over the next few moments, would you just open our ears to what it sounds like to hear the voice of our shepherd? And the next little bit, Jesus, would you just allow us to get a vision of you as the good shepherd? In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have your seat. So at this time, those who were supposed to be their spiritual leaders, they really had no concern for them. 
okay? And, 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 and they, they had their system, but they didn't have complete concern. And so it left these people like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus' declaration of being a good shepherd is in response to the Pharisees' attitude towards the blind man and him being healed by Jesus. So that's when we come to John 10, and we can see what it says now. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Everybody say that. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now, Jesus is doing this kind of tongue-in-cheek a little bit. I mean, he's, he's comparing his care and concern as the one that can lead this flock, this, this, this group of Jewish people, in contrast to the Pharisees who seem like they just keep fleecing the flock. You know what I'm saying? This is kind of where we get that whole, you know, um, lambs and wolves clothing kind of thing, too. You know, that, that, that whole picture. That they've come in to the body, but they're taking from the body. They're taking from the sheep. They're not coming there to give. They're coming to scatter. But when Jesus comes, man, he says, I'm, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Everybody say, I'm the good shepherd. And so we can see a few things when it comes to the role of a shepherd. And I don't want to go past this too quickly without looking at those things. So the first thing when you think of the role of the shepherd, the shepherd's job is to care for the sheep. That makes sense. You know, he, he's there to tend. We saw here early that he'll pick the lambs up. He's there with intimate concern for the sheep. You know, he leads them to pasture. So their, their dietary needs are fulfilled because of the care and concern of the shepherd. Their, their hydration is fulfilled. Leads them beside still waters. It's, it's it, in the physical realm that that sheep is being taken care of by that shepherd. We see that the shepherd's job is to protect the sheep from danger, and the Bible will show us that the sh that we are comforted by his rod and his staff. The Scripture says they comfort me, and we'll look at Psalms twenty three here in a second. It's just so beautiful. But they comfort me. That rod is something that was used for protection, okay? So if the wolf did come, he's going to beat the mess out of that, 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 that wolf, right? So that was used for protection. Um, but then also, it would come down to this idea of a staff, that there was also a staff. And the staff was used both for care, okay? It was used for care. Uh, the crook, I, I want to call it the crook and crack of the staff, okay? The crook and crack of the staff. It was used for care on the crook end for that sheep, but at times it was used on the crack end, you know, smack. So the crook and the crack of the sheep, or of, of, of the staff, the, 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 the shepherd had both of those things in mind with his staff. Another thing, sheep are really, really hard of, of seeing. They don't see real well. Okay, And so what they would say that they would do with that staff is when a shepherd was leading, he's down here. The sheep's nose are in the dirt. They're looking up. The shepherd can get lost amongst the horizon. But when he holds the staff up, the sheep can see that crook in the sky. It's like it's right there moving in the sky. And it can follow that. So it's really important to keep your eyes on the shepherd and on that. And so that's what the staff, and that's how he leads us beside still waters. Let, let's look at that scripture. In Psalm 23, 1 through 4, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And every one of us growing up as a kid thought, why wouldn't we want him? He's so wonderful. But it means thou shalt not have lack. You know, he's, he's my shepherd. I, I won't have lack. If I, if I follow in the steps of the shepherd, if I keep my eyes on his staff, 
if I keep my eyes on, on what he's calling me to do and where he's leading me, then I won't want. I, to me, we've been talking about the cross before me. To me, as a Christ follower, you know what my staff is? It's the timbers raised up above Calvary's hill. I keep my eyes on the cross. I keep my eyes on what Jesus has done. I keep my eyes on what the price he's paid. I keep my eyes on that. I'm a sheep. <laughs> my eyes and my nose get down in the dirt. It's like quickly gets in the dirt, you know. But, man, if I can keep my eyes on Jesus, the cross before me, if I can keep my eyes on that staff, that thing that's risen up, that draws all men to him, if I keep my eyes on walking all God desires, eyes on the cross, then I can be led to where God desires me to be led to, to walk in all God desires me to have. And so the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That comfort that comes from knowing God's going to grab you and pull you with the crook. But at times the comfort comes when you know you've been corrected. I don't know if you can remember as a kid, I can remember being corrected a few times where I was really wrong. You know what I mean? Like I, I, was, I knew I had done wrong. And I got wore out. And I started to cry. And I went to my room crying. And the tears felt so good. You know what I mean? It just, there was a sense of the price has been paid. You know what I mean? The, 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 it's been, there was something about the loving correction of my family that allowed me to know, okay, it's over. It's over. It's, it's covered. And so that's not a bad thing that we receive correction from the Lord. But as our great shepherd, he also brings correction. Okay? That rod, another thing with the rod, this is neat. At night, when it was time to go into the paddock, that shepherd would stand into the area where the sheep were going to go, whether that was the mouth of a cave, whether that was just a, an embankment, you know, wherever they were corralling these sheep. And as the sheep came, he would touch every sheep with the rod. And he knew them intimately. He knew them literally by name. He knew them. And he would touch them as they went in, and he would count. One little sheep, two little sheep. Now, I don't know how he'd count. But he would count. And as he would count, if one was missing, guess what he would do as a good shepherd? He'd always go after the one, right? Is that, is that how Jesus is? And he teaches us to leave the 99 and go after the one. Amen? And so that's what that rod was for. It was also a, a, a means of saying each and every one of these sheep count. So in John 10, verse 24 through 27, the Jews gathered around him and said, How long will you keep us in suspense if you're the Christ? Tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. Works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. He just healed a guy's vision, and y'all still don't believe. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Do you see that? You do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I want to repeat that one more time. My sheep know my voice, and they follow me. And so there's this man that's blind, and all the people are gathering around, and they're like, aren't you that guy? Aren't you the one? Aren't you the one that's got everything stirred up around here right now? Aren't you that one? Aren't you the guy? And in verse 10 of John 9, he says, so they said to him, then how are your Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash, so I went. I love that. Go, so I went. Go, so I went. And I washed and I received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. And so this is a, a contrast between the Pharisees 
This whole story of how Jesus interacts with this man is a complete contrast to how the Pharisees were and how Jesus was in this man's life. Everybody else is looking for sin. Who sinned? Who sinned? Who sinned? I want to know who sinned. What's wrong? Why is this guy going? Jesus, man, he just is wanting to love on this guy and minister to this guy. The Pharisees are wanting to point out how they didn't do it right. Jesus, man, he just wants to lead him by good waters and good pasture. He just wants to comfort him. That's all. Everybody else wants the exact death upon him, but no, no, or blame parents or whatever it is. Listen, the one to blame for sin is the enemy of our heart. We move in it. But that brokenness that came so many years ago, it affects so many things. But in this moment, they're trying to find that. And so for a second time, the Pharisees, they bring this guy back up to him. The second time, they're like, get him again. We're going we're gonna to grill him again. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you wouldn't listen. Why? Do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciple? I love that. That's just the best ever. I've been telling you this. Are you interested in following Jesus? It's the conversation that he's having, you know. Man, the Pharisees got so angry, they kicked the man out. Now, it says that they cast him out. I say kicked him out, but they, they cast him out. That, that, that's a term that, that is powerful. Man, he's cast out of the synagogue, cast out of fellowship, cast out of standing Jew in that moment, cast out of all those things in that moment, cast out. Man, what a contrast between the religious and the shepherd that is Jesus. What a contrast. Jesus, John 10 or 9, 35 to 38, he heard that they had cast him out and having found him. I love that. Why? Because shepherds go after the sheep. He's cast out. What does Jesus do? He goes and finds him. Amen? Aren't you glad Jesus came and found you? Yeah. I mean, there might be some of you that religion turns you off. And I get it. Things you can't do, can't do, you know, don't smoke, don't drink, don't cuss, don't chew. Definitely don't date the girls that do. I mean, all that kind of stuff, you know. I did. I got her saved. <laughs> but no, religion may have done you wrong. Are you that ran? I, I commend you for running. <laughs> I'll be honest. I honor you that you ran from religion. I honor you that you ran from legalism. I honor you that you said something more and i'm here today to declare to you guess what there is something more and it's not a thing it's a person it's jesus amen amen give god praise amen yeah. stuff not working really cutting out and stuff it's a magic trick watch me pull a microphone cable out of my hat there you go <laughs> so have you heard any of that i'll start over so, all right. Well, this isn't working now either. Hello, hello, hello. Testing one. You know what's funny about this? When I was a kid, evangelists would 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 be. It's that religious stuff. Evangelists would be around. They're like, and it's not working. And they'd be like, it's just the power of God zapping the the battery out of this. You know, and my anointing is so strong in me. It's just zapping the. That's not happening. It's just. Hello. Testing, testing. They're going to get it. They're going to get it. They're going to get it. All right. I'm going to just keep going. All right. I can, I'm not sick no more. I can preach. All right. So, some, at some point, this will come on. So I better, I'll just, hey, man, 
we are. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Good stuff. That doesn't count against me on time, guys. It doesn't. That, 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 I, two minutes. Okay. So <laughs> where was I at? Oh, this idea of casting out. Oh, I know what I was saying. The idea of I, I commend you for not going after the religious, you know, uh, legalism and all those things. Man, Jesus has a better way. He wants us to believe in him and to follow him, you know. And so Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He's saying this to the man that was once blind. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, and, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Now, when he says, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him, that's two different things, all right? Because he could believe something and be passive. He could believe something and be quiet. He could believe something, keep its mouth shut, maybe earn his way back into the synagogue. He could believe something. Does that make sense? But, oh, no, he could not because he once was lost and now he's found. He was blind and now he sees. And so in that moment, he, I, I believe, and he worshiped. That worship literally could cause him to be put to death. That worship was blasphemy because Jesus is saying, I am the son of man. Say authority that was I am. I am the son of God. I am the one you all been looking for. The one that we just saw in Isaiah 40 that was promoted and prophesied. That's who I am. And now you're going to say you believe in me and you're going to worship me. Do you know every one of his disciples but John and Judas, every one of those that was that close to Jesus, died, were martyred. Why? Because they believed believed and they worshiped they believed and they set their eyes and hearts toward the things of their shepherd and they followed him even to the place of death is that wild that's one of those reasons why i believe in jesus because i'm not dying for no lie i'm not i'm not dying for a lie i'm sorry i'm not dying for a lie and all those men laid their lives down because of what they believed why because they believed and they worshiped everybody say believer, believer. or follower See, I think often the church today has forgotten that daily submission of our lives to Jesus is a vital part of our faith. That we're not just believers, but we are followers. They are my sheep and they follow me. Amen? And so here's something I just want to throw out to you. I've seen this happen so often and it breaks my heart that a believer, a fellow believer that loves you, okay, or maybe a fellow believer that, that you love, and they're a believer, and, and you're talking about things, and their life is outside of what God is saying we're supposed to live. And, and you're, you're, you've got time with them. You, you know, you're not, I'm not just saying you're just on the corner of a street with a megaphone saying, God hates you. You know what I mean? Like, please don't do that. Amen? Don't do that. All right? But this is somebody or a person that you've had relationship with. And, and you're looking at Scripture going, this is what the Word says. We're Christ's followers, so this is what the Word says. And, and that person looks at you like you just persecuted them. Like, how in the how dare you want me to be led by still waters? How dare you want me to be brought by pastures that are green that I can lay down? How dare you want me to walk in the comfort and the strength of God? How dare I am just so persecuted. I'm being facetious, correct? But it's just one of those things, this has been lately in my mind, that, that we have a lot of believers in the church, but we don't have a lot of followers in the church. And what I mean by that is, as a believer, it's like, I believe, I believe, I believe. Okay, sometimes it's not comfortable. And so we look at that as persecution. They're just persecuting me. A bunch of hypocrites telling me who I am and what I've done wrong. Y'all, every one of your pastor is a mess. 
messed up from the chest up, all right? I need Jesus every day, every day, and have to remind myself that I don't want to just be a believer. I want to be a follower every day, and this week couldn't even touch doors, but all I'm saying is we call that persecution, and man, the Lord hit me with this a few weeks ago. As a follower of Christ, oh my gosh, we call that persecution? What is the church supposed to do if 20 years from now real persecution hits the house? I'm talking about persecution from the enemy, okay? What are we, what, what are we building? What is Momentum Church? If it's just a, a whited sepulcher full of dead men's bones, what are we? I don't want to be believers. I want to be followers. There's a price to follow, and it's a hard price. I get that. But it just hits me that... So that's the only way I can word it. I just don't, it's just, you call that persecution? No, it's not persecution. You, you, you're so deceived that you can't tell care and concern, and you think it's persecution. So how are we supposed to handle real persecution when we label persecution the challenge of a brother or a sister in the Lord that's just trying to hold up the mirror of the word to us? Let me just shout it. Sheep follow. Everybody say sheep follow. Sheep follow. Sheep follow. Sheep follow. I'm going to bring this here to a close. Sheep follow. He is our great shepherd. He's a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. We should want to follow him. But can I say this? The scriptures we've seen, if we have no willingness to follow Jesus, okay? If we have, I mean, and I'm not saying you're going to, not going to stumble. How many knows? This is, we're a grace place. Amen. We stumble, we struggle. What I'm saying is that idea that persistently, over and over and over and over, I know what he says, I don't care. But I'm, I'm a believer. I know what he says I should strive for. I don't care. But, but, but I believe, I want to be in church. I love my small group. I love being on a ministry team. I love this, I love that. I love all the accoutrements of church. I just don't really want to follow the Christ that is over the church. That's all. That, that's all it is. That's all it is. And so he's, I can be a bad preacher, but he can't be a good, a bad shepherd. Amen. He's a good shepherd. So I'm not, I hope I can get this across. I'm not, I don't want to beat us with the staff more than he would. Okay. But I do believe today he's kind of beating us with the staff a little bit. It's comforting. It should be, com I hope a sweet sense of comfort comes upon us from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Like me going to my bedroom and cry before or after that whooping, knowing that I deserved every bit of that. Lord, help me, Jesus. So here's the thing, right? If we have no willingness to follow Jesus, that's okay. It just simply means this. We don't belong to him. That's all. We just don't belong to him. And, and, and I think some of us need at times to really reflect on that and think to ourselves, do I have a relationship with Jesus or do I just believe or am I really a follower? Now, a follower doesn't mean perfection. Those, that's why he would deal with those sheep. That's why we've heard stories that, they, that shepherds would even break a sheep's leg and carry him for weeks while he healed just to, to keep that sheep from straying off to bad pasture and to, to the precipices of a cliff or something, you know, if they had a wandering sheep. So... All I'm getting at, though, is if we can look at our lives characterized over and over all the time, week after week, month after month, year after year, 
it's kind of like I said in the beginning of this, you know, it's like, you know what, why come to church? You know, I, I can just, I can do a lot of good charitable work at the Optimist Club. I really can, you know. But when we say that we're a part of a community of faith, then we have a guide and we say, Lord, help us live to that guide. By your spirit, we can't do it alone or we'll be no better than just the religious Pharisees of the old. I'm, I hope you understand my heart in this. But man, when the Lord gave me that, that line, it just crushed me. I'll be honest. For a couple days, I was just, it was heavy in my heart. Lord, I don't want to say that. But I do believe it's true. If we have no willingness to follow, that's okay. That's all right. That's, it's fine. Just don't call yourself a Christian anymore. Just don't, don't, you know, I'm on a spiritual journey. I'm trying to figure things out with my faith. I'm, say a hundred things. I'm a believer, but a follower, I just don't know yet. I just don't know. I just don't know. Because his sheep know his voice. And his sheep try to follow in his steps. Amen? <sighs> wow. So, Lord, just allow a sweet conviction to rest upon us. I pray that, Lord. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He said, follow me. Jesus, I love this, he told his disciples. I'm not going to tell you, okay, but Jesus told. Everybody say told. Do you see that? He told his disciples. That's not a suggestion, is it? Jesus told, he didn't suggest. You know, some of you guys know that 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 I, I, it's kind of like a hobby of mine. I like to health coach and business coach. I enjoy other things. And, and as a coach, I don't tell people. I just don't as a coach. I, I, as a coach, I'll say things like, do you mind if I suggest something that could help you as you're doing this? How many's had some coaching experiences before with people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you, do you mind, is, is it okay? Can I have permission in your life to coach you at a higher level? You know, and, and the reason why is because I'm a coach. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you, can I coach you at that deeper level? Do I have permission to point a few things out that might make a difference? Why? Because it's not my life. It's their life that I'm trying to coach to health. It's not my life. It's their life. I want a bunch of stuff for them. Maybe I want them to be able to, to lose 30, 40, 50, 60 pounds. You know, I got one lady lost like 135 pounds. Too freaking awesome, okay? New life for her. I want that for everybody, but you know what? I don't get to do that. I understand that, but I'll ask, can I help you with this? Does that make sense? But I'm not their Lord. I'm not their, this is their life. So I'm just a coach. That's all I am. Same way with like the business coaching, you know? I, I want it for people to Whatever they desire, you know, I just want enough to make so I can get a vacation. I just want to, to pay for my house. You know, I just want whatever it is. You know, I, I, I don't want to work that second job. I want to be a stay-at-home mom, whatever it is. And I can, I can coach them to that, but I ask permission. Is it okay if I ask you to and help you with this? Why? Because I'm just a coach. That's all I am. It's not my business. It's their business. It's not my life. It's their life, and I'm just helping them. I may want to see them to walk and all that, but I'm just their coach. Can I say something to you guys really loud and really clear? Jesus is Lord. He is not a coach. That's the difference. He is Lord. He is Savior. He died and paid a price. And when he did that, at that point, I am not my own. The difference is I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own any longer. He's Lord and he's Savior. So no matter how much I want to do my own thing, I've got to submit it to him if I am a sheep and he is my shepherd, if I am a follower and he is the one that I am following as my Lord. He's my Savior, and I am the sheep of his, we are the sheep of his pasture. Amen? And so 
Let me give you two things and we're out of here. We can't call ourselves followers if we don't heed his voice. Okay? We can't call ourselves followers if we don't heed his voice. We've got to be those that are listening to his voice. In John 10, 3 through 4, to the gatekeeper, this is the guy that would stay overnight there. To the gatekeeper, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. So the shepherd would come and he would take the rod and he would call him by name and then he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Do you hear that? The sheep follow him. For they know his voice. And each morning he would take, just like a knight, that rod. He would count as they were going in. In the morning he would stand with the rod. The gatekeeper would open the gate. And he would stand and say, Fufu. I don't know what the names of a sheep were. And Fufu would come. The sheep know his voice. And he would tap him on the head with that rod. And there it is, you know. And then, and then Beatrice and Beatrice would come. And he would tap Beatrice on the head, you know. Chantel and Chantel would come and he would tap, I don't know, just whatever you want. But he would tap them on the heads as he's counting. Why? Because we can't call ourselves followers if we don't heed his voice. But when he calls our name, we begin to move. Amen. When he calls our name. And so it's important to be able to hear in life because life isn't just something that's about a pasture field. Life is about a battlefield. Does that make sense? And soldiers, when they come to the battlefield with the soldiers, they can't hear if they put the foam earplugs in. And they get frustrated because they need ear protection because the Bradley tank's like 130 decibels, you know. Uh, an anti-tank missile thing is like 187 decibels. A grenade in the moment will deafen you. And the problem with grenades, too, is they'll get you within 15 feet of each other. So you got to spread out 15 to 45 feet from each other. So when you're sitting here going through this, this fight, you can't hear the others in the battle if you don't hear well. It's important to hear well. It's important because you'll miss the clarity of what the, the, the supreme leader of your group is telling you to do. You'll, you'll miss it. And you won't be able to understand the next move. And you'll miss your protection, etc., you know. And, and they try to put those... Those foam things in, and that diminishes your hearing by like 30 decibels, which 30 decibels is enough to keep you from the field anyhow. So now you're you're trying to use hand signals, and even soldiers will say in the field that it's really difficult just using hand signals. So they have these things that are called tactical communication on uh, protective hearing systems. They call them T-caps, and they analyze noise coming in, and they analyze noise, and if it's loud, they they, they shut it down. If it's quiet, they, they rate. But, but all the while, it's difficult in that battle-type environment, and we're in a battle for our hearts. Yes, we are. And they're on a mission to hear the voice of their leader. And listen, we're on a mission to heed, need the voice of the one we are commissioned to follow, and that's Jesus. And so the thing with that is this. Like I said, we can't call ourselves followers if we don't heed his voice, but we won't heed his voice if we can't hear his voice. How many of that was about to drive you crazy? Yeah, man. Whew. So we won't heed his voice if we can't hear his voice. And so I'm saying through all of this, be a follower. Draw close to him. When he challenges you in things, stay close to him. Don't run from him. Stay close to him. Amen? And you guys know this, and we'll close with this. Proximity. Proximity. It's that. Talk from a man who's deaf. I know. If I can see your lips, I can hear your, your voice just so much better. There's just a correlation there. I want to be close to Jesus. I want to be close to my shepherd so I can hear his, 
his voice so I can see his lips, so I can understand what he's asking of me, so that I can follow, not make excuses to run. Thank God I know if I run, he cares enough that he'll come after me. I know that. Amen? This isn't an anti-grace message, but it's a truth message. Lord, there's so much stuff, my desires, that want me not to listen to you. There's so much stuff, my environment, that makes it difficult to listen to you. There's so much stuff, the noise of my heart, the noise of other people, the noise of my everything that I'm going through makes it hard to listen to you. And I just want to listen because if I hear your voice, I can follow you. And you say, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. Amen? Amen? And so what we're going to do, we're going to close our eyes for two minutes. And we're just going to get real quiet, all right? I, you know, I'm even going to have Celeste just kind of stop with the piano. Let's just get real quiet just for, for two minutes. That might be difficult, but let's just get quiet before the Lord. seeing that that proximity causes us to hear so much more clearly, not just volume, but cues, that's going to be our challenge this week. That's our experience, our experiential thing this week is what I want to challenge you to do is 10 minutes of just being silent before the Lord. And some of you might be like, there's no way, 10 minutes. I don't care if you break it up. I really don't. But just 10 minutes a day of just being quiet, not, not praying. That's going to be another thing we're going to do here down the week, a few weeks, but just quiet before the Lord. You know, just allow your hearts to be open to him. Um, if you ever heard of um, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, great book. It's one of the books we recommend our leadership to read here at the church. You know, Richard Foster's a Quaker, and, and he said that he was taught that when you talk, that you put your hands on your knees like this in prayer, and then when you listen, you put your hands like this. And so he would sit with his hands like this. That may be a, a bodily form that, that you might do just to, Lord, I'm listening, I'm, I'm speak to my heart. And um, it may be something that moment while you're being quiet before him, maybe you have read your scripture for the day and there was something that is on your heart and you're reflecting on that, you know. And so you're filling your heart and your mind with the word of the Lord. You're filling your heart and your mind with what he might say in that moment. But mainly you're just listening, listening for that still small voice. And he may speak something and say, you know what, there's some things in your life pastor kind of put his finger on without really putting it on. And um, it's time to commit those things to Jesus, you know. It's time to just follow and submit those things to the Lord. And I don't know what it might be. The Lord may speak a lot of things to you. I don't know. But just get real quiet before him for those, those minutes. And, um, and that's going to be our, our, our experiential this week as we learn to listen to the voice of our shepherd because my sheep hear my voice and then they can follow in his, in his ways. Amen? And so you can play if you will. Don't you guys love Celeste? I'm telling you. So good. Makes me want to sing. No, I'm teasing.
So when it comes to this week, a few things. I am the Good Shepherd. We're going to read starting um, um, tonight, Matthew 22 through Matthew 28. That's our readings this week, Matthew 22 through 28, a chapter a day. And then also the 10 minutes of silence. If you forget those things during the week, where am I at kind of a thing, you can go to mymomentumchurch.tv and find that. And then finally, next week's baptism. You know, go to mymomentumchurch.tv. If you haven't been baptized, what a way to follow in that next step. What I do want to do here today is with every eye bowed and every head closed. No, every head bowed and every eye closed. I would love for you, if you need to come to faith in Christ, you, you're like, I've been a believer, but I want to be a follower. I, I want to know without a doubt that I am his, he is mine, and I am following in the steps of my shepherd. And if that's you and you've never done that before, if you would, hold up your hand. We're just going to pray. We're not going to, I see your hand, brother. I see your hand. Anybody else? We're not going to have you come forward, but we do have some stuff we want to put in your hands. Anybody else? Ah, oh, what a celebration. Everybody pray this with this young man. Pray this. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I don't do that haphazardly. I do that with the full knowledge that I'm no longer mine, myself. I'm yours. Forgive me for my sins. I recognize what you did on the cross. The price you paid was for my sin. And from this day forward, my sins are covered. In Jesus' name, you are Lord of my life. <laughs> and I will serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give God praise, amen? <laughs> Proud of you, man. Mm. <laughs> 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 I think at the house, if we get serious about going after Jesus, we'll see so many more young people. Our millennial generation, they just need something real. Not something watered down. Just something real that makes us realize, yeah, we're a mess without him. But out of that brokenness, he calls us to higher things. And as we're going, we struggle. He continues to empower us for those things. Amen. It's a good day in the house of the Lord. Amen. Let's give God praise. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www. Momentumchurch.tv